Hello and welcome to our new podcast, The Drums TV Talks. I'm media editor John McCarthy. And I'm TV reporter Hannah Bowler. Each week we'll sit down with the decision makers, media owners, ad tech execs and producers shaping the future of TV to explain the role advertising has in funding the industry and re-establishing dominance as the best screen in the house. So we're going to be explaining TV advertising in simple-ish terms without the complicated jargon. We basically want to make the TV ad sector a piece of cake to understand. So thanks for joining our TV Talks. Off the back of the Winter Olympics, I got out with Discovery's James Gibbons. He looks after a massive portfolio of linear channels and also now Discovery Plus um, for the UK and the Nordics. Um, his job at the moment is trying to target younger audiences and bring them into the streamer, which is kind of a difficult job when you think of Discovery's core audience, kind of always being in the plus 40-ish bracket, I think. Um, so trying to kind of get that younger demographic into the Discovery kind of ecosystem it is quite a task he's kind of got on his hands. Yeah, I do have a tough time sometimes trying to explain what Discovery Plus is. I'm sure they do too. Um has all the best non-fiction stuff, the Food Network, Travel Channel, Discovery Channel, Animal Planet. Um, essentially, I believe if you have a passion, they'll try to make a show about it, and you'll probably like that show. Um, you know, this is a lot of really high-quality daytime TV stuff that isn't quite available on the streamers like Netflix and Amazon Prime Video. Um, but they've also got sport, uh, the Roland Garros tennis, the Olympics, but it also has the benefit of like being available on almost every platform you could imagine. It's pretty affordable, and it's got a bit of everything for everyone. Um, but is that enough? They say they want to attract young people, but there isn't any amount of marketing that can get young people watching a show that isn't made for them or doesn't appeal to them. And when you look at Discovery Plus's catalogue, you, you do sometimes wonder what young people like. Of course, young people are just people. They have passions too. Uh, sports, cooking, the great outdoors. And all the aforementioned channels kind of cover that. Um, so they either have a choice there. They either take it to those social channels and try and monetize them. Or they try and bring the young people in behind the, the paywall. He's also in the process of uh, rolling out Discovery's, Discovery Plus's ad light version in the UK. Um, I don't know if you remember, John, but it launches an ad supported in the US first. Um, but they're bringing it to the UK now. I think it's at... Three ninety nine a month, I think the price point is. Um, so that's kind of what he's doing here. And in the interview, I mean, he'll explain it better. But he kind of talks about um, the rise of living cost crisis factoring into this, and their own research that kind of points to consumers looking for a cheaper option and being quite willing now to to have an ad like package. He, he's obviously also quite honest in the fact that he realizes that discovery is maybe you know, your third option rather than your first or second. And so for those ones, they should be cheaper in ad light. And you'll probably always keep your Netflix and your Amazons and be happy to pay for them straight up, um, which I think is an interesting kind of admission. And I guess it kind of signifies that the stream wars are now maybe played between the, the players beneath Netflix and Amazon, and they're all kind of playing between themselves. Yeah, that's interesting, and I've been asking myself a lot recently if there is space anymore for a B-tier B or like an under-tier or some of the classical TV formats that worked in linear. I realise that I've got like about 15 hours of top-tier drama that I'm actually missing. Uh, there's about five hours of sport that I'm not bothering watching. Uh, so I'm pretty much spoiled for choice, everyone is, and... Uh, 
there's sort of that passive viewing where you, you binge watch your favourite documentaries, maybe taking a bit of a hit, and uh, they'll maybe have to rebuild that behaviour. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, again, the consumer wallet's going to take a hit, so maybe this is the stuff that people actually sort of come back into again. The streamer on streamer merge is also quite interesting at the moment because um, there was the news that through Discovery's part, uh, through Discovery's merger with uh, Warner Media, that their content would then start on HBO Max, and all of these kind of mega mergers are kind of mixing up all of these streamers and bundling them all together. So I think that's a really interesting space that we're going to kind of see probably Netflix, Amazon, and then all of the rest kind of on each other's different services um, in some sort of partnership way, merger, whatever. And I think to the consumer, they're just going to have no clue. They'll just turn on whatever they have and you'll be able to get content from Peacock and you'll be able to get stuff from CBS. It's all just going to be flailing around, really. And without further ado, why don't we hear what James had to say to We are, we are a year and a bit down the line now from mm-hmm. the launch of Discovery Plus in the UK, which was our first S4 streaming service and indeed our flagship streaming service. And it's had a tremendous growth path for us. We, we don't release broken out numbers for the UK, but the last the last global DTC number was 20 million plus, I believe. Mm-hmm. And the UK is a, in, in its very important part of that. And that's from a zero start at the end of uh, 2021. So that's one point. Second point is that it's really been in an additive way. So we We've seen those subscribers grow really in addition to what we're delivering on Linear. You know, as you know, we have a comprehensive portfolio of pay channels and, and free-to-air channels, including Quest and Really and so on. And we have largely seen a, a S1 growing on, on top of that. And the reason is because we are serving a different cohort. So that was the theory going into it. And the reality is that that's, uh, those, those consumers are indeed people who have a different video consumption behavior. So they appreciate the convenience of uh, the app, whether it's on their smart TVs, uh, whether it's on their mobile devices, or, or indeed, yeah, and whether they access it by, by Sky. It, it doesn't matter, you know, we've discovered a, a group of people who are very, you know, who, who prefer to, to consume by the app. And this, this group is, uh, tends to be around 20 years younger than our previous average linear audience. And so it is a different cohort. And what that means is that we, we, can, we can grow our overall portfolio in an additive way. And actually, that's, we, we've, that's something we've very much been focusing on. So all the digital marketing that we do for Discovery Plus is completely focused on that streaming audience. And for example, all of the, you know, all, all of the, a lot of the marketing we do is, is performance marketing and, and social media based. And what we found is that that kind of communication brings people very directly to the service because it's usually one or two clicks from a piece of, you know, marketing communication that we do on digital. And that brings people straight to the service and gets them to engage right away. So I think that we've really found that it's a, it's a, it's a new cohort. It's a new set of marketing challenges but it's something which has been very, very additive uh, for us overall. And I should mention as well the role of sport because that's really important. Mm. And, you know, you would have seen obviously the, the broader news on sport that was covered a couple of weeks back uh, mm-hmm. uh, from us. So you can, you know, you can see that we do have a, an interest in the space. And I think the sports thing is worth mentioning because it's played a really important role for us. So we, over the last year, we've been in the unusual position of having two Olympics in 12 months. 
So as you know, this is, I don't think it's ever happened before. So that's how unusual it is. I feel like I, I really feel for the people that had to had to manage that. Like I couldn't imagine yes. the stress that went that would have gone yes. with that. Yes, indeed. So sympathies to the sports yeah. team, sportcasters who who are literally turning the thing around, you know, within a, within a few months. But what it's what it's meant is that is that for for Discovery Plus, we brought two Olympics in that in, in that period. So we've been able to see the role of of sport. And I, I would say that first of all, the the Olympics is a fantastic marketing event in mm-hmm. a sense because there's something for the whole family. So it targets a very broad base. It doesn't matter which part of the family you're in. You know. You, you, there'll always be a sport you're interested in, or there'll be something which cuts across the whole family that you follow a big, a great national story of an, of an athlete, you know, who's, who's succeeding. The Olympics is a kind of peak for us in terms of marketing awareness and acquisition. And then after that, a portion of those subscribers will stay on, not all of them, but a portion of them will stay on and sample our entertainment content. And that helps to build the service. You've taken a solid three questions away out of my mouth through that. One, one was just like, how does, what role does sports play? So yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> so, so we were, we were really pleased with Australian Open as well, because, mm-hmm. you know, there was, there was a lot of, there was a lot of, lot of stories around the Australian Open, as you recall, uh, for various reasons. So there was a lot of awareness around it. Um, and even, even though, you know, we didn't have our, our, you know, British players go through all the way to the competition, there was a lot of interest in it. And we had a, had a lot of, you know, subscribers, uh, coming and, um, a lot of engagement as well. So I think, um, it, it, you know, we we're quite happy with the events, the sports events that we've had have actually been quite have brought in viewers who are also interested in a lot of the content, entertainment content that's on the platform. Yeah, maybe a, l- a little bit if you could kind of unpack that pr- process and how the marketing kind of informs that journey from being kind of brought in as a sports just to watch mm. Australian Open and how you then convert that person into watching um, right. a reality show. Yes, no, ab- ab- absolutely. So so sports acquisition would be done, you, you know, it, it, it's obviously uh, done across, it's almost 100% digital, the, mm-hmm. the marketing campaigns. I mean, there's obviously, there's, 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 on air, there's, there's linear on-air tune-ins that are more based around raising awareness that the Olympics is on, for example, or the Australian Open is on. So you'll see those spots running across our linear portfolio. And we use our linear portfolio to promote um, our streaming service, obviously, which, which again is, um, you know, that's, a, that's, it's good that we're in that position. Not every streamer has a linear portfolio to do that, right? So it's it's um, it's good that we're in that position. And we raise awareness through the conventional linear spots. But in terms of actually subscriber acquisition and bringing individuals to the service, it's very much, we'll, we'll, we'll run digital campaigns that talk about the Olympics in general and saying the only place where you can see everything is the key message. But then we'll also have specific sports. So if if you are a curling fanatic or or I think back to Tokyo, you know, the equestrian cohort was really big for us. So people who wanted to watch the equestrian events, they wanted to make sure they didn't miss any. And Discovery Plus offered that option for them. So so that was a that was a big source of, of viewers. So so the, the way it works is let's say, let's say an equestrian viewer comes in for Tokyo Olympics, right? And they're watching um all of the events. Uh while on, on the on the service itself, um, we, we are we are able to surface other on, on on the UX. The viewer can see all of the other shows that are available. So we tend to hero or put in a prominent position the shows that we think they'd be interested in, and we can we can do this from analysing previous overlap between sports viewers who have come in and what entertainment content they've consumed. And so we have a decent idea of what is likely to appeal 
to those viewers. And actually, to, to, to be honest, it's also very much a factor that, you know, the top 10 shows on the service are going to be the top 10 shows for the sports viewers. So it's, it's not, you know, it, it's, it's actually quite straightforward in that sense. The good show is a good show, right? So, yes. so you know, 90 Day Fiancé is always going to be there, right? If you're mm-hmm. coming, if you come to watch Equestrian, you'll be served up 90 Day Fiancé. You'll be served up Gold Rush. You'll be served up Faking It. Um, you know, you'll be, you'll be served up, uh, for example, in December. Um, we had a great show with Richard Hammond, who's launched his own classic car business. You know, you would have been served that up. That's how we surface it for sports viewers, you know. Okay, cool. You talked earlier a little bit about the fact that you've had a, I don't know if it's unexpected, but a lot younger audience coming through and you're specifically going through targeting them at social media. Um, yeah. I don't know if you could maybe just talk a little bit more around that cohort and you said it might have posed some marketing challenges. Um, yeah. And I would just kind of be keen to know kind of the marketing challenges specifically and how you've kind of overcome some of those. Because I, I assume a lot of the kind of expertise in that target group weren't mm. maybe already in the business, say, if that's not where your yeah. traditional market is. So maybe just a little bit more on that and how you've kind of overcome some of those, yeah. those challenges. Absolutely. So I think that um, the whole digital and performance the whole digital and performance marketing piece is something which is new to the business and it's a skill set and a resource that we've added on to our existing marketing operation. And we did that around before the launch and we've really been building that capability since then, not only in our local team, but also in our global team. So the way we manage it is that we manage Discovery Plus locally, but we also rely on our global direct-to-consumer organization who have the, the relevant skills that they would apply to all markets. So it's a, it's a combination of, of, the, of the two. In terms of how it actually you know, panned out, the, the, the fact is that we've had, to, we've had to change the mediums that we, that, we, that we use. So there's a constant optimization in terms of um, how to reach that younger audience more effectively. And we can, you know, I, I don't have the details in front of me. We can, we can, go, we can go into it on a, on a separate occasion. But ultimately, it's no surprise that social media advertising is playing a much bigger role nowadays than it used to in the past. And the simple fact is that if you're, you know, for us, driving... Um, subscribers to streaming using using Facebook, using Instagram, using TikTok. You know, we never used TikTok before, um, and uh, and and but you know, it, it's it's you, you you can't reach that cohort without being active in that space. And so so we 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 found that the most efficient the most efficient CPAs and the most efficient way to spend the digital advertising money tends to be on you know social media platforms that are able to reach that that cohort. So that's radically changed the way we we advertise. I mean, you know, we we in 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 the in the conventional in the linear space, we would have relied more heavily on conventional linear campaigns. But in order to reach that younger demographic for streaming, social plays a much bigger part in the overall mix. Right. Well articulated. <laughs> so I thought um, it might be good to just chat through. So you've had some big news in the UK launching an ad light version and. Maybe just first of all, so it, it started, it launched like that in the US um, yes. originally, and now you've taken a decision to launch it in the UK. Yes. What was kind of some of the reasonings behind that decision? Would be good to start off with. Right. So I think um, the main thing that we're all seeking to do is to ensure that we are reaching all of our target cohort 
right? So we're trying to find the fans of our content wherever they are. And they're spread out everywhere on different platforms. They have different consumption habits, they have different devices. And so in order to reach them, we need to have a, a proposition that is really tailored to their needs. So we started off with a uh, product that was essentially an entertainment product, and then you add on the sports to it. Two prices and uh, and really not 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 much advertising, only in the linear channel feeds, you know, only in the in the simulcast feeds. And we we had a price point of four ninety nine and six ninety nine for the two respective packages. So over time, we 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 discovered that. Um, I mean, first of all, there's one thing I want to mention, which is really important, in that in that we've been really pleased about the recognition on for, for the original content that we produce. So this is incredibly important because in the streaming space, you're really distinguished by the originals that you're able to bring uh, to the market. And we we have a, a survey, MTM, the, the research agency, does a monthly SVOD report. And um, in that report, there's lots of metrics on how everyone's doing. And one of the ones that we've been tracking really well on is, um, is perceptions of original programming. So perceptions that the service has quality original content, right? And on that one, um, on that measure, uh, that and that, by the way, is a measure of only your own subscribers, okay? So it's not it's not a survey of the whole market because only people who watch the content can make a judgment. So, but ne- nevertheless, within that, we've got, we've got a very large proportion, by far the majority of our viewers, agreeing that, that, you know, they come there for quality originals. And if you look at that proportion on the different streaming services, we're, we're in the top three now. So, so you know, when the top three of of uh, services who who have, according to the percentage of people who are saying that about the service, and you can guess who the other two are. So, I think mm-hmm. um, I think we're, we're we're really pleased. We're really pleased to see that because that's that's really where you look at your long term sustainability. You know, ultimately, are you going to be able to maintain your differentiation? People have got to agree that there's a lot of original stuff that you're bringing them that they can only get there. So I think I think to, to circle back to the ad like question, we felt that that the product is well received, the originals are well received. But when we did our research, we 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 realized that that there were there were quite a number of viewers who uh, potential subscribers who would um, only come in at a lower price point. And at the end of the day, it's it's a it's an SVOD wallet, right? It's like how many services can you stack? How much money are you prepared to spend on on your streaming? And we realized that uh, there was a there was a meaningful you know cohort who w- would would only likely come in at a at a at a lower price point. So we looked at how to fund how, how to fund that, how to make that possible. And the simple way was to uh, replicate the ad like service that we have in the U.S., meaning that we introduce a few more ads to the service in order to in order to obviously generate ad sales revenue that is then used to essentially reduce the price right i mean that's that's how it works and so we we did a survey just to make sure that it was you know that we were reading the audience correctly and we had i think more than 75% of our users said that they would that they would be open to to a lower price um, with a high ad load you know so so we felt that okay it's a it's a meaningful trade off for, for customers so we then decided to go ahead um, and, and 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 launch it. So it's now at three ninety nine, not four ninety nine, and the ad load is less than half of linear. So it's much less than linear. It was also important though that we preserved an option for people who just you know want to continue to watch without ads. So we are still keeping the 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 sports and entertainment pack, the six ninety nine pack, that is still there and that's still ad free for on demand. So that option is still there, and we wanted to 
you know, we wanted to do it in a way that preserved the simple two options for people. We, we didn't want to add loads more, you know, combinations of this and that. So we, we just wanted people to build to make two choices. So that's why there's still two packages. And one of them is uh, ad supported at a lower price and one of them is uh, basically ad free at a higher price. Yeah, keeping it simple just on, on two options does work. So I feel like in the US, they're so used to bundling and having quite a complex system. But in the UK, is we have just a few. So it's it's quite confusing, I think, to go to many. Yes. It's interesting yeah. you said on the 75% because that really matches up. There's that Peacock research recently that said 80% wanted mm. an ad like option. So that's... Mm nearly identical just just yeah. on that because there's definitely a trend now towards these ad light options people at peacock and paramount launching in those kind of ways from from your perspective why do you think that this seems like the next iteration of streaming like why, why do you think 75 yeah. percent of people said in your research that's what they wanted just in, in your yeah. view yeah no it's, it's, a, it's a really it's a really interesting point because you see one one thing one thing which I think is not is it's 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 not a statement about free or AVOD, pure AVOD supported viewing. You know, there's a whole different segment of the market where people just, you know, people don't pay for video. They 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 consume free linear, they consume free online video. And that that cohort is not a cohort that has any inclination to pay. And that is where you get the true, you know, uh, full ad supported services that are free to the consumer. That's where you get the catch-up players and, and 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 all of that. This ad light era is not it's not about that. It's 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 targeted at S1 subscribers. So it's targeted at people who want to pay. But one is maybe the wrong word. It's it's targeted at people who who are who are willing to pay to get the quality service that they identify with. You know that that matters to them, and they they actually you know it, it, it's important that there's a transaction to recognize that it's not just something that is just available sort of you know. Uh, anywhere in any form, but it's actually a service that um, has the kind of quality and the sort of brand that you're you're interested in. It's a service that really is for you. So I think that the target is definitely as for subscribers. So these are people who who are willing to pay for quality video. But the simple fact is that the stacking nowadays is a big challenge for people. I mean, if you stacked every single S4 service that was out there, you'd you'd have like 50 subscriptions, you know, and and it's 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 just not feasible. I mean, no one is going to do that. And so, even even when you're talking about, you know, you have one or two SVOD, and then you want to add another one, even your third or your fourth, by how much are you going to keep paying for those additional services? Um, and so, we feel that the I think my interpretation would be that the price sensitivity of consumers increases depending on how many services they're stacking. So, if your service number three or four, you know it's really important to offer your consumers a affordable option if you really want to compete in that space. So I, I, th- I think, I think in, to, to my mind, it's, it's to do with the plethora of streaming services and people thinking, okay, I'd want to have this, but I really need a better deal. Absolutely. It's a really interesting switch. I mean, I feel like I've been covering the SFOS for years and it's been, it's so intriguing that it's kind of coming to an, a new point. I don't know. It's an interesting evolution for sure. Just lastly, while I have you, I don't know if you could kind of uh, give us a bit of a highlight of what you've coming up this year. What, what from an audience perspective and from an industry perspective, what what do you think right. Discovery Plus is going to shout about this year? Well, so there's no more Olympics this year, so that's one thing I can say. I think you guys <laughs> all need a break. <laughs> that's right. 
<laughs> but what, what there are is that obviously there are there are more there are more wonderful tennis tournaments. Um, so we've got Roland Garros, the French Open, coming up, which should be fabulous. Um, as well as uh, we 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 carry a lot of the premium cycling. So um, lots of stuff for cycling fans to look look, uh, look look into. But I think on the on the entertainment side, we we have a really good um, idea now of what viewers are looking for. And um, we will we are ramping up our investment in original content, and um, we are going to have a lot more sort of character based reality. So we've got season season two of Richard Hammond coming as well, uh, Richard Hammond's workshop, which you know you can see online. People are asking for it. Whereas it, we've got season two of not season two, second half of Peter Crouch Save Our Beautiful Game. So which is which is a it's a wonderful series about. Peter Crouch playing a role in in you know reviving the fortunes of uh, Dalish Hamlet, where he played as a young player, and and it's just you, you know that storytelling about real real about real people in uh, in in you know in real life situation, real real people doing extraordinary things, is 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 a real real sweet spot for us, and and so you'll you'll see a lot more of of that. Um, of, of, of that content coming as, as well as we, we, another really big area for us is, is true, true crime, true crime, um, storytelling. So, you know, people are really come to our service and uh, fascinated by the stories of true crime that have, that have, uh, taken place, um, you know, all over the world, uh, whether it's the U S or the UK. So we have, uh, we have plenty of new originals coming in, um, on that on that front as well, you know, and in the, the other cohorts like, um, like motoring as well and cooking. And, you know, we, we, if you, you may recall that our service is based on the concept of, 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 of powering people's passions. So mm. in addition to general entertainment, broad entertainment, we, we also have our services built on the foundation of specific groups of people who love certain content. So food, property, motoring, you know, wildlife, all of those verticals are, are there and, and we'll continue investing in those as well. But I think if I were to summarize, I'd, I'd, I'd say that in the asphalt world, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to take the step to broad appeal. So what we have learned is that it's, it's good to have a show that serves a particular audience. So our food content plays an important role, but you, to, for a show to really break out, you've, it's got to step, step beyond its sort of origins in a particular niche and become something of truly, of truly broad, broad appeal and so those those are the sorts of shows that we'll be looking uh looking to to develop and i think that you'll be seeing also some new categories and new genres we're not ready to talk about them but there will be some new categories being developed on the service so six months time or so i think that we'll be able to talk a lot more must be so fun for the team at discovery like just to play in some new genres and go for that broad appeal it sounds quite a fun time to kind of experiment a bit yes yes no i think i think it is we're enjoying it and it's it's hugely competitive that's the thing more money has been spent now on original content than than ever i think in this space but uh nevertheless i think that we we are at a point in our journey where we are still very much on the up in terms of in terms of doing new shows and winning a new audience. So it's um it's it's a very sort of challenging and exciting time for everyone. Fantastic. Thank you so much, James. It's so lovely talking to you. Thanks, Hannah. Goodbye.